we're training the world as we see it to run better organizations using our, our, our platform. It's really about an end-to-end -end employee experiences platform. Welcome to the Hyper Engage podcast. We are so happy to have you along our journey. Here, we uncover bits of knowledge from some of the greatest minds in tech. We unearth the hows, whys, and whats that drive the tech of today. Welcome to the movement. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, this is Adil from Happy Engage Podcast, joined by Taylor Tennyson and a special guest, Chris Kaplan. From he's leading a customer-facing team in, in Rubella, which is a very interesting uh, platform. Serves mostly uh, towards the enterprise segment, and they are helping uh, teams with uh, you know remote teams with uh, virtual environments, virtual uh, learning management, and all that stuff. So, so thank you very much, uh, Craig, for joining in today and taking the time from your schedule. It was really nice having you. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Wonderful. Wonderful. So let's uh, jump right in uh, into, you know, I've seen your pride background as well, and uh, you've been a part of some uh, venture firm as well. You've been a part of some uh, media agencies as well and leading teams there. So now you also have uh, two projects uh, at Rubella, like Rubella Labs as well, and you have a, a, a web-based uh, software named Framer.io, which is pretty interesting too. So you as an individual starting back in the years, uh, how did you see yourself uh, evolving over, around the time and why did you choose this, uh, you know, customer, uh, I would say customer facing leadership role? Well, how, how far back do you want to go? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of old, you know, I'm 50 years old, so I could go <laughs> back like 25 years. I could go back 10 years, you know, go, uh, go back, go back to uh, one of the most memorable points in your professional career rather, and then start from there. Go with the journey, you know, give us all the yeah. shit, all the obstacles if you want, like all the times that you were like, wow, I didn't know I wanted this and it ended up this way. And yeah, just walk us through that. Well, in that case, it goes back to college where I, I shifted my major sort of at UCLA. They, they, they didn't have uh, minors. And so, but I added like a business specialization a couple of years in, cause I was doing a bunch of internships in one field and I was like, oh, I didn't really like that. And, um, so I jumped into business specialization and then I graduated and I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And just like most people, college graduates or high school graduates, you're like, Oh, I need to get a job from a friend. Uh, which is basically how the world works. Um, even today, right? You're most likely uh, 25 years into your career, you're going to get a, your next job from a relationship or a friend. So I think it's a great lesson. Um, so I, I jumped into a tech job because a friend of mine was like, oh, you'll learn a lot of stuff here. It's kind of, you know, the internet's going to be pretty important, all that, you know, that dates me to, to, to when that was happening. So that was really exciting. Um, and then a second sort of shift for me was, it was a small tech company. It wasn't really a startup. It was just a privately owned small tech company. And I just was always kind of curious about learning and, and trying to expand my horizon. So uh, a friend of mine in that company was like, hey, why don't you, you know, join sales? Because I was in an operational role when I started. I was a QA tester, quality assurance software tester. Then I was a manager for projects. I was a project manager. And I want you to try sales. And I never really thought myself would go into a sort of a sales or customer facing role, at least 
back then. And, but me was, it was just about being curious, kind of expanding skills, sort of finding yourself. And, you know, that started my career in, you know, customer success, as we all call it these days, but, you know, it was a sales role and I tried it out and it was, um, you know, wasn't necessarily the work that I loved in terms of the sales stuff, because, you know, junior salespeople do a lot of the, you know, the really heavy duty grunt work, right. And, and not as you're not actually talking to customers that often you're usually getting a lot of voicemails or, you know, hangups and things like that. So it's not exactly the same thing as what you do later in your career, but it was something worth trying. And I was just excited about, you know, being curious and open-minded at the time, fortunately, you know, really served me to like kind of try a bunch of different things. Love that. Absolutely and can you kind of, hold on a bit before you, you go on, I just want to, I'm really curious, like how you chose to get into your current career then because of like kind of the unique things that you did along your journey, like what, what made you end up here? Yeah, that's, I love that question. Um, so me personally, and this is a personal thing, so it's not necessarily going to apply to, to everybody, but um, I kind of have like a three-year mindset, particularly in the last 15 uh, years. And kind of the first couple jobs I had, it was like, all right, let me just try to move up in the ranks and, and you know, get experience. And then at a certain point about 15 years ago, I kind of had a, a, a shift. I, I had enough experience, I guess, where it gave me the liberty to move a little bit more easier into different, into different roles. But I kind of think about things in three-year mindsets. Like, let me, let me dedicate three years of my life to this next role. And in these days, right, th things change very quickly in terms of career. And, um, and, and also for me personally, I, I like to Unless something changes in that role, there's more opportunities. The growth is fast, um, and, uh, and and there's new challenges. To me, it's about being challenged and kind of continuing that growth mindset and that you know gaining more experiences, learning, and uh, and so I kind of look at that as 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 the 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 thing that I do. But I also get um, a lot of salespeople or customer success right? You get a ton of experience in one industry and especially in technology. Um, it, it's so more vast and complex than it was 25 years ago. So you know, you're in the cloud services business and, and it's so uh, deep, right? And, and you have to have a wide range. So, but I always like to do new things. Um, to me, if I was in the same technology segment for my whole career, I would be bored even though my relationships and my network all get built up in that kind of phase. So I sort of take myself down a peg uh, and, and try to look at different opportunities where I can still apply a really good experience, set of experience and a, and a great network potentially, but try to learn new things. And um, it, it is, it's a thing that doesn't necessarily help me continue to kind of go continually up. So I oftentimes have to kind of try to go up and then take a dip down into a different role or, or a different direction. And, but I think that's, that's sort of a startup mentality is that you oftentimes have to just look at the company, the product. If you're excited about that, then the role, you know, put your ego aside at my age and, and, and try to just look at roles that you're really excited about and, and uh, you know, just jump in. Um, and so I'm still doing that at age 50. Uh, is is looking for opportunities where I just 
um, could contribute, but I have to fall in love with the company. I got to fall in love with the team. I got to fall in love with the product. Uh, and then the other thing that I'd give advice to folks who can do this is fall in love with the timing of the product in the market, because that is going to probably determine more about whether the company is successful than, you know, what the team can actually do. Product market fit, timing, those things are really sort of critical on the overall health of the business. Absolutely love that. I mean, the way you, time to time, you were kind of uh, having a beginner eye and, you know, looking and seeing things differently for your own learning and you want to evolve as a professional, which is, uh, which is how you ended up with uh, Verbilla. So looking at the technology, like redefining the distance learning and, uh, you know, remote environments and especially COVID and this pandemic came in. Uh, came in. How, do you, how did you see uh, a potential uh, of you as a professional to, to be able to make an impact and contribute at Verbilla when you started? Yeah, I think, um... You know, there's so much change going on because of the pandemic. Um, I mean, the the key is, I think, is is from a, I think a company standpoint, you have to have I think leadership that is ready to change very quickly, and not be kind of you know stuck or tied to kind of old concepts. Uh, and and I think this is another you know, benefit of having sort of a startup mindset in any type of business is that really the best leadership, I think, in, in any company, big or small or medium sized startup or not startup, is about that startup mentality that you got to iterate and you got to move quickly and you got to be prepared for a lot of changes in, 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 the, um, in the industry, in the world. I mean, there's the last two years have shown more change, right, in, in the economy, in the world, and people's mindset into psychology, like everything is changed and thrown on its head. And the only thing to be prepared for that is to be prepared for change. And so I think that's what um, uh, I, I've hopefully brought into the organization is, you know, we got to be really focused on what's working, um, you know, both inside the company, but also with our clients and, and be willing to kind of, um, you know, be very transparent with ourselves about, hey, is, th is this working? How do we change strategies? How do we change our, our operations, change our approach? Um, and we had to do that over the last um, two and a half years, uh, multiple times with different teams and, uh, and, and different strategies because of, of the way that the pandemic has flip-flopped people, you know, in the office, out of the office, travel changes, expenses now the economy overall being volatile um you know it's changing the way how companies are investing in either their people or their expenses so even that's changing the way that we think about uh the business i love that you you touched on yeah you in today's time especially you have to have that growth mindset in anything you do and be willing and flexible to move with whatever comes at you and pull from, you know, those different lessons you've learned, but not be tied to them and, and kind of see how they apply. So can you touch on a little bit about your team and like what your team looks like, what they do on a day to day and what kind of uh, activities and stuff happens? Yeah, so I, um, I run uh, partnerships, sales, uh, customer success, um, 
and uh, we actually have a, an events team because we are an immersive platform. So it, it's it's sort of a very unique and exciting uh, company to uh, to be a part of because we are kind of converging right uh, this type of conversation into an immersive platform. So. The shift really means that we're supporting companies to understand that you don't shift meetings into immersive. I mean, you can, but that's not the big value proposition. The big value proposition is run your meetings better in immersive. Don't just move them over um, because people aren't going to be excited about having a three-person conversation in immersive space for an hour that you can do very easily right on Zoom like we're doing. So it's really a full shift in terms of, remember how we used to run meetings before the pandemic and, uh, <laughs> and how there was, you know, the, some plan, the best meetings were the ones where, you know, the leaders would have a really great agenda, would really have mm -hmm. preparation, right? And, and some of that is tough these days as people just sort of throw meetings together and get people together and let's talk. But the best meetings are ones that are planned and have a, a different sort of process or approach there's brainstorming and then they shift into other modes or you know that sort of mentality is what we're, we're bringing to um, our clients and we talk about that we're really um, always in an educational mode for our clients so we're training the world as we see it to run better organizations using our our, our platform it's really about an end-to-end -end employee experiences platform that a lot of folks in the industry just sort of look at immersive and go, oh, that's great for a meeting or that's great for training. And we say, no, this is actually a great platform for creating uh, work culture and, uh, and really shifting, but nobody's doing it this way. And so we have to educate uh, our clients on the best practices of you know, employee experiences overall. And how do you do it a little bit differently in a virtual platform that is, is gonna get the best value out of this. Um, and the alternative in our, our view is that you're, um, you're just gonna to continue to see the siloized, siloization, I should have a better word than that, but the siloing of, of your organization because you don't have the personal relationships anymore um, that you used to get. So like you have really maybe tight relationships with your own team, because you're always on calls together and you're always on Zoom calls, and you're always on Slack or on Skype or on Teams together. But what you don't have is like any relationships being developed outside of your core team, personal relationships, like the conversations you would have in the elevator or at the cafeteria or just by walking through an office floor and walking through two other teams as you get to your cubicle, you like, those moments, are, it's hard to describe, but the serendipitous social engagements that created small relationships, like talking smack about your, you know, your favorite football team or talking about whatever Netflix movie or show you were watching, that stuff doesn't, ha doesn't happen. Now, a lot of remote teams or re really great remote teams out there have written the book about you know, like how to be a great remote team. And then they'll be like, oh, create a Slack channel for all of your media and fun stuff or create a Slack channel about your pets and create a Slack channel about this. And those are all great ideas, but it doesn't do exactly the same thing that we miss out when we're in the office. And the other part of this is that, you know, you just saw, I think, you know, 
once again, Apple saying, hey, everybody's coming back to our $6 billion headquarters in Cupertino for three days, you know, on schedule, you got to be there. And I can understand why. I mean, you spent $6 billion and they're trying to solve this problem of, you know, people do work better, innovate better, know other teams better, cross-departmental, you know, relationships. They're trying to solve that problem by saying, hey, come back in and be in the office together because you're going to get a better, uh, not only a better work experience, but you're going to get better results for the company. But the problem, of course, is, is people are not happy with being forced to do anything, especially when you're a knowledge worker, a digital worker, a technology worker, and you've already been doing this for two years like we're doing. So we're basically solving the, the, the $6 billion Apple headquarter problem by teaching folks that you can be present in a virtual space and it won't have to, you don't have to, you know, take a shower in the morning and do a 45 minute commute to Cupertino. You don't have to do any of those things, but you could still be there and have like thousands of your, your colleagues sitting there in offices and have that effect of walking over and, and meeting them. So to get back to your actual question, <laughs> we have all these teams that are sort of um, a little bit tweaked in order to be sort of teachers and trainers and our cultural mentality is to be educators across all of our teams so that means salespeople have to be educators our customer success our onboarding team have to be educators in terms of helping or have the mindset of helping companies come on board and know they don't know how to do this in in exactly the right way so and, and really our co our co-founding team are um, academics. Uh, uh, so they came from UC San Diego uh, and, uh, and, and PH, Alex, our co-founder is PhD in organizational psychology. Sheldon, uh, co-founder, uh, you know, launched the Center for Human Design at UC San Diego. MacArthur uh, uh, Grant, uh, kind of genius in terms of designing virtual spaces and human uh, interaction. So we have these incredible credentials and vision, and they are academic. So it's really about, you know, for bringing benefits to the world and having our, our teams kind of take that same mission and, and, and culture to our clients. So super long-winded answer for a very simple, <laughs> simple question, but maybe that gives some, you, some context. Explain with scenarios and experiences, and this is what we want to learn because uh, giving an answer is, is something becomes quite mainstream, but connecting it with scenarios and experiences actually sits to the core. Uh, and and that, that is so important for our, our, our conversations to be so concrete. I love that. So now uh, looking at your projects at, at uh, Verbella, uh, one is uh, like a platform you're putting uh, remote uh, platforms or uh, remote simulations, you can say, uh, to enterprise. And the other one is, is a web-based platform. It's sort of a dashboard. Uh, it's framed framework.io is that right framevr.io framevr.io okay how like how does that work could you tell us more about it yeah um so you know verbella platform is about 10 years in the development so it is a um a very robust platform and its benefits is that as a um an application as a gaming application it's based on unity one of the two big gaming engines in the world and it is. Um, it has a different type of experience or a different type of uh, of engagement. And I think 
probably the best way to describe kind of the Verbala platform. Well, one, it is like the probably the most scalable immersive platform out there in terms of concurrent user capacity, as far as I've seen and, and hear from our own customers who've been evaluating other, other technologies. So the scale of having thousands of people together in one environment is, is really impressive because of the last 10 years of work and development. Um, secondly, it's designed for enterprise. So it is uh, a SOC 2 compliant, you know, company, a GDPR compliance in Europe, which is the, you know, is the standard for making sure your, your, your data is safe yes. is there. And um, so it's enterprise ready in a way that a lot of stuff that kind of spun up as a result of the pandemic is just not quite there yet. And, and the complexity of kind of working with large companies and large universities is something that we've been doing for years. And, and that's been another advantage is that, uh, you know, have myself being in a lot of startups, in one startup I was with, we tried to move into the enterprise. Uh, and we basically failed because the product wasn't ready because of these things that big companies really care about. You can't get into an RFP with a client unless you can check a bunch of boxes. And a lot of those boxes are really about, you know, how well the organization is set up and, and, and how hardened it is around, you know, data compliance and security. So, so we've been, um, you know, we were really ready for that to a certain degree for the, the pandemic, but we actually moved forward a lot more as well, based on a lot of ask and input from our, more of the enterprise clients that were coming on and fortune 1000 companies were like well we want this added as a security feature or that added as a security feature because those are things that were important to them and we just built it into the platform for their specific needs which has been helpful um okay. frame is a is a newer platform comes out of the verbella labs um group so skunk works project that's been under development and really it was to address what is a common challenge with immersive environments and VR environments is that they, you know, they're, they're typically you have to access them through a headset, right? So you buy a headset, you go to the VR marketplace, you download or access the app through that. And it, it, it is sort of, that's been the approach for VR applications for a long time. And what we've recognized kind of early on is that, Hey, it's not just about VR, it's about getting immersive experiences to both VR users and non-VR users. So there's you know, 10 or 15 million headsets being sold every year and that's going up significantly. So that the market's going up, great. But that's a drop in the bucket when it comes to like billions of people online who can benefit from you know, the, the immersive experiences. So Frame was taking that same approach. We've thought about accessibility of, of the platform and saying, hey, this really should be just a URL link and, and bring mm -hmm. uh, people in. And, and then we also really thought about the content or the creator community. It's like, how can we really quickly create environments, uh, give that type of control and creative um, freedom to... Um, to to the world in terms of starting to build, you know, within uh, the metaverse. Mm -hmm. um, okay. And so th there's sort of, uh, you know, there's a lot of platforms out there, but I think we're pretty unique yeah, in yeah. the sense that as one company, we have two different platforms 
And if you want high scaleability and a, and, and a really a different sort of experience in terms of a persistent application on the desktop, you go Verbella. Frame is more of that instant meeting, very yeah, quick yeah. customization work can be done. And you can really brand, right? Like this meeting we're having today, right now, you could do that in a frame VR and brand it around all of the sort of the old, mm -hmm. the previous podcasts you've done. It could be a space that we're walking through a museum-like environment, an innovation center. In frame VR, you could build that for this type of meeting on your own for free, like literally in the next couple of days. Mm -hmm. You just need to have a little bit of experience with tools like Blender, which creates 3D assets if you want to bring yeah, in your yeah. own stuff or use mm -hmm. a default template. So different use cases, different sort of, um, levers to pull in terms of the type of experience where you look at scale versus accessibility versus fidelity, like the, the how, how quality of the design of the experience, the quality of the experience, um, and then how you want to do sort of customization work. So across any kind of VR or immersive app, these sorts of different variables come into play. I think you saw it um, in, a, in a very sort of infamous way, if you saw the sort of the controversy over, um, you know, Zuckerberg posting about Horizons two weeks ago. Yes, yes. And all the exactly. blowback from that, right? Well, he's dropped 10 billion a year into Horizons mm -hmm. and people weren't very impressed by the way it looked. And the thing is, is that um, when you're de designing for scale to a to resources that are low powered, which things like Oculus's aren't high powered machines, right? They are, you know, they're, they're, they're basically cell phones right on your face. And so there's a, all these sorts of factors you have to play in. Like, do I make it really realistic and then have 15 people in the scene? Or do I make it more basic and more Minecraft looking? And then I could bring, you know, 150 people into the scene. And the, and the world in general just is not aware of the, the limitations, right, between these factors. And so, uh, you know, I think Zuckerberg learned that in a very hard way. Very you know, hard way. Yeah. There's a lot of learning curve on terms of, all right, you know, and we get, and by the way, Verbella would get the same kind of comments from whole wide range. Like, oh, this, you know, looks like the graphics are, you know, five years old. And it's like, well, yeah, but um, we can also fit 2,000 people into an auditorium. And if you do the graphics to be real realistic, you can't get 150 people in the auditorium because the, your machine power will start to slow down trying to render all this. Absolutely. You know. So Absolutely. there's complexity here that you know the common user uh, doesn't know about and doesn't care about. And, and again, we have to come into the market as a, um, as teachers and explaining mm -hmm. the differences here. And it's like, what do you want to accomplish is, is the key question for our clients, uh, that we have to really continue to kind of dig into and, and, and educate them to a degree of like, well, if you want to bring 2000 people in and, and have them move around to different environments and engage and run into each other, that's the Verbella platform. If you want to launch a uh, hundred people into a terrific museum-like fully customized space that you can customize in 30 days, um, 
then then you know take a look at the frame platform and, frame platform, and a lot yeah. of our clients actually use both depending on the use case yeah for their smaller teams for their smaller events they can use frame and then for bigger events they can use rubella okay great so how many customers do you guys have at this point uh like the, in the enterprise segment just on a rough idea and uh, then we'll just quickly talk about uh, what kind of frameworks you have for during uh, inside the customer success operations and how you what does your post sales journey look like yep yep um so in, in terms of customers like when we started the pandemic we were really an smb uh platform we had a couple of enterprise customers but what we would do with the enterprise customers is like build them their own specific world so it was more of a professional services group uh, what we what we had done, the team really had shifted to a kind of a work campus template um, and was, was already in the process of doing this when the pandemic started. So it was already a lot of work there. And that way you could deploy a really highly scalable, secure work campus. And so we shifted really into uh, selling those platforms sort of as a SaaS model versus a software build model. That was a lot of what the team was doing in the previous years. Um, and, but we were really, we really thought, and this goes to show kind of the iteration we had to do, we really thought that like high growth technology companies would really love it um, because they were, um, you know, they're technologists. And so like they were seeing this pandemic happening, like, oh, well, this would be great. Every company that's going from a thousand to 2000 employees will love this. So we really shaped the, the platform to be a, a, a medium, mid-sized market. We learned pretty quickly that the technology companies in high growth were really just comfortable with the tools they had, Zoom and Slack, and they didn't feel there was a, like the need. Mm -hmm. We started really seeing that uh, a couple of the enterprise clients we had brought on at the, uh, during the pandemic, the early stage of the pandemic, we realized that their problems were much bigger at scale than these companies that might be a thousand or 2000 or 3000 employees. And so we really pivoted very focused on the biggest companies in the world, because the problem is that they have the biggest potential to have their culture being mm -hmm. impacted by lack of, of this connection communication. Because so we they did are so that. big, like, their teams are so big. So it, it was sort of a bigger problem for enterprise segment. Yeah. And, and we realized, and we sort of tested the theory in, in a lot of conversations. Uh, and we realized, oh, wow, they, they are, you know, this problem of culture being impacted because of the pandemic, the remote work, hybrid work challenge. It was what, you know, CEOs of these big companies are, are you know, it's one of their top worries of, of the business is like, you know, turnover is a massive impact on companies, the great resignation happening from people moving because they want a better work-life balance or a different location. So these are like incredibly big strategic challenges for the C-levels of these big companies. And, and we found that if we can get our conversation up into the organization to senior enough levels that we could we could sell in to these organizations from kind of different paths we can sell into the hr group but we could also sell into the it group who are being tasked with like get us better tools um, we could even sell into the marketing group because they are tasked with corporate communications and corporate events and they didn't have any events to run during the pandemic. Absolutely. So they were yes. actually open. Yeah. So we really found that we could go in through much different directions. And so we started to stack on 
uh, MRR from annual contracts from these clients. And sometimes they would just be for a specific use case, like recruiting for one department in one country. And then the beauty of an immersive platform is that it, it's the social proof gets put up there on, on, on LinkedIn and, and Twitter because people are so excited. Like, oh, this is my first experience in an immersive platform. And then they post pictures. And so we would get a ton of attention back to that team. And that would allow us to do account expansion more effectively than any other company I've, I've been at. So we have, we have dozens of enterprise um, uh, clients out there. We kind of put universities in sort of the enterprise list, even though that's educational mm -hmm. market. But they, <laughs> yes. We have some universities that are big. We have the largest universities, uh, university system in Mexico on board. Uh, Stanford has got a, a, uh, a case study. They actually been on board with us for five years with their um, GSB group, their graduate school business. And so they've been a great case study for us for years in terms of how this has changed the way that online classes right are typically when you go to graduate school you go for the networking plus the education and the yeah. networking is really hard when you're just on video classes all the time so mm -hmm. this has really yeah. proven out the value of an immersive platform for for that type of relationship and then we have literally hundreds of clients who are still sort of in the smb mode and so we've had to really manage a lot of smaller clients um, that were our, our early adopters and excited and want to use the space. They come to the Verbella website, they swipe a credit card, and then they use actually sort of our, our, our own work campus for Verbella is like a co-working space for them. And so you could go to the Verbella website, pay $200 a month, and you get an, an office environment and you can um, have people set up and have that sort of sense of presence, you know, on a second screen. And be at, at a very low cost to, to really adopt that sort of connection to different teams. And then our, our VP of community runs uh, activities and, and events within the more public uh, open campus area. And so it becomes this, this community, just like a town square, you know, as I was going to say Ghirardelli square, but I meant Piccadilly square, you know, in, uh, in London. Um, and it really becomes a community in a very interesting way across um, company, across cultural, across regional. We get a lot of folks from Japan and Korea who use uh, our, our SMB platform. We have some partners out there selling enterprise campuses. So it's really exciting because, you, you know, in the middle of the night, you can jump into our, our campus and see that there's a, a bunch of folks from Japan in there, you know, dropping in. And, you know, mm -hmm. talking about diversity and inclusion, just the ability for, you know, anybody in the world to come into the same work campus is, is one of those big benefits is that the access to different people, different cultures is, is really incredible in, in, in the platform. And that's one of the reasons why it's, it's getting so much success in the market. So much, so much. And I love the, the fact that you are trying to penetrate into the education sector as well. Like the University of Stanford, uh, it's a big need there. Like, of course, they talk, they have, uh, you know, teams and, you know, all the, you know, uh, meetings and all that stuff. But they outside their, uh, their network, they are not able to connect personally, just like you mentioned, 
at yeah. how you can get like uh, the, the looking at your web lab, your your web platform you can integrate small events like 20 30 teachers can stay in network using uh, using the technology such as uh, frame vr so that's cool so all together uh, you're a team of around 150 people and uh, now what is what is that you guys are doing investing towards team growth personal development training management and everything uh, using your own platform I think and uh, you know what are these uh, you know these steps that you uh, you're taking towards your own people just to make sure I heard the question correctly deal like what steps we've taken in terms of investing in in training and in learning development was that Absolutely, yes. For your own people, yes. For our own team. Got it. Thank you. Well, um, sometimes you're just moving so fast that you know you're 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 uh you gotta really kind of revisit these things on, on a regular basis, which is what we try to do on our quarterly um KPIs is is to come back in and 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 remind our leadership that um you know we have to be really thoughtful about you know our own culture in our organization and and, uh, and especially since we're a hundred percent remote team, we don't have an actual office anywhere in the world. It's all through the virtual offices of Verbella, which allows us to connect very, very uh, easily there. But we have to be really thoughtful and sort of planning out our engagements. And so what we do in terms, and of course, learning and development activities are really about manager specific sort of, of, sort of things. Um, so like for instance, on the sales side, um, we're emphasizing role-playing, uh, you know, something that is, is hard to implement and it's hard to get salespeople to do that, but is our best way to kind of make sure that we're, you know, we're, we're bringing training back up to a level of, of consistency across the hard things in sales is that, you, you know, it could, a conversation could go in any direction. So role-playing gives us that opportunity to sort of test out you know, objections and things um, coming from, from clients that, you know, our management team can, can really put in front and uh, the reps. So sales is focusing on role-playing this quarter because that's something that, you know, training is a cyclical thing that you, you, you focus on one thing and they move to the next and so forth. Um, customer success is working on, uh, continuously working on best practices for onboarding. Because we, again, we're, we're, we're teaching the world how to work this way and to run programs. And we talk about really um, focusing this quarter on what we're calling a launch event. So a lot of folks buy the campus and they're like, I'm immediately gonna start running programs into it. I'm gonna run my first recruiting event or I'm gonna run my first L&D event is what we've learned ourselves is to really sort of shape that first experience for the for the client is like hey first event you should run is an open house it's like going to school and my kids just you know started the school year and of course what does every school do it's an open house like the second week right like this is to orient the parents of what the heck's going on this year because we're not paying attention as we're scrolling through our social media accounts all the time and, uh, and it's like that practice we started to implement um, this quarter for our, our clients is like, hey, what you want to do is teach your company what the value and the benefits of this platform are using an open house and bring, you know, other leaders into the space to say, hey, let me represent, you know, our, our newest initiatives, our newest projects, 
our personal, you know, stories from our employees in this immersive campus, because it is like launching an innovation center. And if you were doing this, you know, in San Francisco, or you're doing this in Singapore, uh, a company would spend, you know, $10 million on a lease and millions of dollars on furniture and, and millions of dollars on personnel. And this is the same thing where you're we're basically launching an innovation center to represent your company mission and your values. And, uh, and then you're starting to run programs in it for your employees, but for your clients, for your partners. And so we have to orient them to like the best way to do this is what we call a launch event or an open house event and say, bring your leadership in so they understand the value, so they understand the purpose, but have them participate in building out the, the, the campus, you know, what content goes in that represents their departments, their teams, and the mission value culture. And you could do it at a global scale, but you also have the ability to do your regional culture represented as well, which is really important on these really big teams. So, mm -hmm. yeah. so that, that team uh, and customer success were really focused on that initiative this quarter, because that's, that's a best practice to that we found is, is the best way to, to launch campuses and get the most value to our champions, to our buyers. And so that's been the project there. Um, partnership teams, of course, have to take these concepts that we do in sales and in customer success and then kind of roll it out to partners, which is harder to do because they have different sort of markets. They have different sort of cultural um, approaches. And so they have to sort of take our initiatives and package it up differently for Korea and our Japan partners. Uh, and so they end up sort of being usually like one quarter behind because it just, that's how much work it takes to kind of translate these things. But that's what they'll be working on in terms of training partners on these same concepts to do, um, you know, to do launch events and open houses for their clients and to train their own teams to do that for, you know, for their client bases. Absolutely. Uh, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I really, really appreciate that you've been so explanatory and, uh, you know, the way you explain all the journey. I love that. So since we are pretty much on the time, uh, just one last question uh, for the early stage SaaS startups, uh, of course, not as uh, as in the niche as, as you guys are, but, you know, looking at your background, you can definitely have, uh, have a piece of advice for people starting up with an idea in the stealth mode and how they, they should uh, what kind of decisions that that'll uh, that'll make uh, you know that will be more critical uh, than most people talk about uh, in your opinion? As far as early stage startups and how they think about customer success, absolutely. I'm, I'm talking about customer success. You, you want to, as a founder, you want to obviously see what's working and then replicate and scale it. And um, and oftentimes the hard part about that is that founders sometimes may attribute their early success too much to, um, uh, without the awareness that the early success is because their relationships are creating successful um, customers uh, or their knowledge as a CEO or a COO or co-founder is creating winning deals and onboarding. And the transfer of knowledge from the co-founders to other teams and leaders is, is the, probably the riskiest, most challenging factor in terms of scaling early sales and early customer success. 
And the co-founders are very are obviously going to be very deeply involved in, in kind of all steps of bringing on new customers. But um, the, the challenges is like defining where you need co-founder skills in that process versus where you can transfer skills to an experienced or knowledgeable, you know, CS leader or sales leader. And so that's a summarized Perfect. way of saying, let me tell you really how it resonated. What works. Yeah. Let, let me tell you how it resonated with me. We are three partners. One is more on the technical side is, is good with building technologies, understanding use cases, customer side of it. One is good at talking to people, understanding people, building relationship. Uh, the third is good at with, with people like development of the people, like how you, you should uh, understand the needs of your employees, your customers. And, you know, you work towards that as a team, as, as family. So along the early stage journey, it was so critical. Uh, and it is still is uh, the way you spoke. It kind of resonated with me that number one, we need to know our skills, everybody. We need to know our skills. And based on those skill set, based on our strongest suits, we need to uh, define the roles. It can be anything. It's not just like CEO or CTO or CEO or anything. We, we, we have one role named chief vision officer. You know, it is, it is not so often uh, used uh, in the tech space, but, you know, based on the skill set, we need to define the roles and then we need to give them an entire ownership on their decisions. And then of course, they'll learn, they'll, they'll make mistakes, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll make mistakes while making decisions, that's okay. But we need to learn and iterate, uh, and, and uh, it is so important to do that, uh, to, uh, that the right people do that, you know, th with the right skill set, and then you share those experiences, you share that journey, because you know that you own it, it's good or bad, it's yours, and then you get your other partners along and learning from their skill set as well, and be, be, a, be a good team. So I love that. Thank you uh, very much. Uh, one more time, uh, Craig, for sharing this uh, concrete knowledge in a very explanatory way, which is uh, what we, we, we also loved. And uh, up next would be our team reaching out uh, to you with, uh, with a high resolution picture of some sort so we can put it on the web page. And then, you know, uh, I, I, would, I would also suggest if you find time maybe uh, today or whenever you just follow the HyperEngage uh, 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 LinkedIn page so you get get to know when is your when your story is up and our team is so good at uh, collecting uh, high level stories collecting unique experiences connecting unique uh, technologies to be uh, to put it out to the audience to learn so our goal is pretty much the same to learn uh, from from our guests just the way we we have today and put it out to the audience uh, you know to help them in any little or big way. Thanks so much Thanks. for for taking the time. I'm I'm. Uh, it was a very fun conversation. Thank Thanks you very so much, much that you said that. I Have a great day, you. guys. Cheers. Take good care yourself. Take care. Thank you. Thank you so very much for staying with us on the episode. Please share your feedback at Adil at HyperEngage.io. We definitely need it. Uh, we will see you next time with another guest on the stage with some concrete tips on how to operate better as a customer success leader and how you can empower engagements with some building some meaningful relationships. We qualify people for the episode just to make sure we bring the value to the listeners. Do reach us out if you want to refer any CS leader. Until next time, goodbye and have a good rest of your day.